It's Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Got questions concerning elder or state law? Attorney Mike Connors has the answer. He was recognized in 2012 as one of New York's top lawyers by New York Magazine and brings over 30 years' experience to the table. His office number is 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Here's Mike Connors. We are gathered here on hallowed ground, horse free. Welcome to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. Those of you who haven't listened to the show before, you're welcome. Now, the show is in two parts. The first part of the show, we talk about estate planning and elder law. The second part of the show, we talk about sometimes charitable giving, which is what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, politics, history, religion, you know, when in the future, next year. But today I'm accompanied by my wife, Beth, who'll be here in a few minutes. My son, Michael. Hello, everyone. And one of the attorneys from our office, Nicole Donnelly. Hello, everyone. All right, Nicole, tell us something about yourself. Where'd you go to school? Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, in a place that's now called Kensington and Dittmas Park, although it was always just called Flatbush. And I currently live in Staten Island, which I enjoy. I went to school in, at Toro Law in Long Island. I know it seems far away from home, but it was close to the courthouse, and I did a lot of things there. Okay. Now, let me ask you a question. You have, you have two questions for the audience today? I do. Okay. Well, why don't we go over the first question? The first one says, hello, Mr. Connors. I have three kids, but only one of them actually helps me with my expenses. The pandemic has been hard on me. And my son has actually been helping with the carrying cost of the home. I want to make sure he gets the home when I pass and the other two do not fight my decision. Should I put it in his name now so he can own half of the home and have his name on the deed while I am alive and my other two kids have no chance to fight it? Well, probably the best way to to do this is through a trust agreement. And the reason you have a trust agreement is, one, it will avoid probate. You see, your other two kids are not getting the house. They may or may not agree with your plan. And if it goes through court, they can file objections to the will and stall up your son for years. And if they really do fight it, the legal fees could be enormous. Now, putting the house joint tenants with right of survivorship would avoid that problem. But there are a couple of things wrong with it. One, will your son pass away before you? Then who gets the house? Is your son married? Could his wife possibly have a claim on the house if it's in his name for years, whether they get divorced? Or God forbid he passes away, she would have a claim against um, his part of the house. And and even if it is joint tenants with right of survivorship, she might have what we call a right of election and be able to put a claim in against his, his estate, even if it's joint with you. And then if God forbid that happens, she might be able to throw you out of your own house. So you want to keep control of the situation. That's why you do a trust. The trust will say the house will go to your son. Something happens to your son, you choose what the disposition of the house is, whether it's your other two children, your son's children, or whatever, depending on your family circumstances. So you keep control of the situation. Also, if you have a senior citizen's exemption, you're saying you have a hard time keeping expenses up. If you have a senior citizen exemption, you put your son's name on the deed, you're going to lose your senior citizen's exemption. Even if he is a senior citizen, which, which is happening occasionally now, probably he doesn't live in the house and he probably doesn't have in, He probably has income if he's helping you out with expenses that would make you lose your senior citizen's exemption. So for that reason, you don't want to put his name on the deed. If he doesn't live in the house uh, and you sell the house while you're alive, his share of the house, you live in the house, you get an exemption off your income taxes when you sell your personal residence, your son doesn't receive that exemption if he doesn't live in the house. Now, if he does live in the house, you know, we may talk about it and rethink it or whatever, because maybe if you do sell the house while you're alive, you get another $250,000 tax free. And, and maybe then we do the joint tenants with some side agreements or whatever. And there's no one right answer ahead of time always. But ordinarily, 
If you want to leave real estate to an heir, you want to avoid probate so the other two children uh, don't have an opportunity to contest the will. It goes out tax-free to your son. Capital gains are wiped out. There's no estate tax in New York right now under $5,850,000. Federal is almost $12 million. That's going to be indexed for inflation. So I guess next week we're going to see what the new numbers are. But the, it, it should be roughly $6 million and $12 million tax-free. $6 million New York State, $12 million for the federal government. So your son gets the house tax-free. Uh, assuming you're under those numbers, and if you need help with your paying your bills, I assume you're under $6 million in New York State. So the trust is usually the better way to go. There are less complications if something happens. Your son, you know, stupid things happen. Your son is in business, and he has to declare bankruptcy, and all of a sudden the house in his name is an asset, and that can be a serious problem. Uh, and I've seen that happen more than a few times. He could be in a car accident. There could be a judgment against him then he, you can't sell your house until your son pays his judgment. He's in business. He gets in trouble with the IRS. And believe me, good people sometimes get in trouble with the IRS, and they put a lien on your house, and all of a sudden you can't sell it until that lien is paid. And these liens and judgments can last years and years. So ordinarily, we don't want to just put your son's name on the deed. We want to put it in the trust. With the trust, you keep control. You can take care of all the what-ifs we talked about. And, you know, God forbid you get in a fight with your son, which is not likely since he's helping you out now, but it's possible. You can't change your mind if you put his name on the deed. If you have him in the trust, then in that way, you can change your mind. You can change the beneficiary. So ordinarily, the you know, the trust is the way to go. Um, again, we can always talk it over. You can always schedule an appointment. We have offices in Brooklyn, Queens, Staten Island, and Manhattan. We don't charge for the first consultation. The initial consultation is free on anything regarding estate planning and elder law. All right. Now, Nicole, do you have another question there? I do. Mr. Connors, I had my will and trust done about two years ago. Since then, I had a falling out with my niece, who is listed as a beneficiary and said to receive 100000 upon my passing. I want to change the trust distribution to exclude my niece, who I haven't spoken to in about a year. But my lawyer says I need to change my will as well. Is this true and why? Well, yeah, it is true. I mean, it's probably the best practice. And the reason for that is... If the will says I leave $100,000 to my niece and you pass away and there's money that goes through your estate, now what's money that goes through the estate? Assets that are in your name alone, your niece is still going to get the $100,000 no matter what the trust says. Now, you could, the will can control the trust. You can do what we call a reserve of power of appointment in the trust where you can change the beneficiaries of the trust agreement through your will, but you can't change a will through your trust agreement. And somebody says, well, I don't have to worry about that. All my assets are in a trust, so my niece is not going to get anything. Well, you could be in a car accident. There there could be a lawsuit. Money comes in in your name after you're gone. Let's say it's worth $100,000. Your niece is going to get that $100,000. So if you want to control the situation, we change the will and the trust to read the same way. Now, there are differences of opinion on this. Some people say, well, you do a pour-over will and you leave everything to the trust and that'll take care of it. That may take care of it, but if your niece knows she's got 100000 coming in, uh, you know, under the will, she has a copy of the will, she might someday be able to contest your will right now saying, I deserve the $100,000. My, I'm sorry, what's the name of the, what's the name of the, the client? Maria. Maria. You know, Maria wasn't of sound mind, whatever, so I'm still entitled to the $100,000. You know, it's not the type of lawsuit ordinarily uh, I think lawyers would be that interested in, but you never know. And, you know, and and not only that, it's clear what your intentions are, in effect, if the will and the trust read the same way. You know, estate planning is not always as easy as you think it is. A lot of people think about things in, you know, one step, one step at a time— or just thinking about the immediate future. Everything's in a trust, so my will doesn't matter. No, your will should matter, because I, I can tell you that there are numerous times where everything's been in a trust, and then something else pops up. You inherit from a brother or sister who doesn't have a will, or even does have a will and leaves you something. That happens all the time. And, you know, then all of a sudden your niece gets the hundred grand, or maybe she contests. So, 
leave make it easy for your trustee, your executor. Have the will and and the trust re- read as a single plan. So if something happens, you're still in control of the situation, which is one of the things you want to do in estate planning. You want to keep control of the situation as much as you can. You want to make it easy for your heirs, your eventual heirs, the heirs that you do want to leave your assets to. So, Nicole, let me ask you something. Um, You live in Staten Island. Um, Where's our office in Staten Island? Our office in Staten Island is at 1250 Highland Boulevard, right next to Bocelli's. Okay. Now, let me ask you something. I think you speak some Spanish, right? I'm actually fluent in Spanish, so people wouldn't know that by the name Donnelly, but I am half Latina and on my mother's side, and then my father is obviously Irish, and that's where the Donnelly comes from. So where's your mother's family from? My mother's family is from Colombia. Okay. So you have no problem conversing with clients in Spanish? No, quite the opposite. We talk way too much when we speak in Spanish. (laughs) You know, is there much of a difference that you perceived like, um, I know trust is not something that's, that's, you know, usual in the the Hispanic, in the Napoleonic Code. So I actually learned the word and I've caught myself messing it up multiple times, but I find that many people when they come in, they already know what they want and they tell me trust. So I get to skip over that very hard word in Spanish. (laughs) Okay. No, because, you know, a lot of times people don't realize this, like a trust works in the United States and English common law countries by that countries whose law has been descended from English common law, like Canada, Ireland, United Kingdom. Um, but most of the world, the trust is something that's really not quite understood, especially any country whose laws are derived from English common law. I mean, from, I'm sorry, from the Napoleonic Code, which is most of Europe and most of uh, Latin America. This is true. And when speaking to clients about a trust, I tell them while it will apply here, it will not apply to any of the properties that they have outside of the United States. And it is most of the time a big bummer to them because they ask, well, what should I do then? And that's when I have to tell them, well, we have to kind of consult outside counsel and counsel in those countries where the property is located. Okay, now, our next guests are going to be Karen McAllister and Laura Wallenstein from St. Jude's, founded by Danny Thomas. Nicole, do you know who Danny Thomas was? I do after sitting in on many meetings with you, but I did not prior to sitting in on meetings with you. Okay. Danny Thomas was a very talented entertainer who was active in radio in the 40s, uh, did, had a brief film career in the late 40s and early 50s, then was on TV, had a smash show that was on for 11 years, and then he was, you know, did a lot of TV after that and was a nightclub performer through the whole time period, but Danny Thomas founded St. Jude's Research Center Cancer Hospital, and we're going to be talking a little bit about how Danny Thomas started the hospital and what it's doing today. So we're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes. You're listening to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it hard to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress? A government-insured reverse mortgage may be the answer or might be the perfect solution for you and your family. Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner. I've been a mortgage specialist for over 20 years, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. This past October, the federal government made changes to the reverse mortgage loan program. Give me a call now so our office can show you how these changes affect how much money you receive and how the annual mortgage insurance costs have decreased. My job is to help you find the best solutions for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this FHA program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call and speak with me right now. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-943-2646, or try me on the internet at www.quanticbank.com backslash fmelia. Once again, call 888-943-2646, and you could be on your way to a stress-free retirement. 
Frank Melia, NMLS number 62591. All loans provided by Quantic Bank, NMLS number 403503. The Guild for Exceptional Children, or GEC, has been providing excellent care to children and adults with developmental disabilities since 1958. It is our mission to help build better lives and brighter futures for the people in our care. We serve nearly 1,000 individuals each day and are proud that 90 cents of every dollar is used for actual services. Please visit www.gecbklyn.org or call 718-833-6633 to learn more. All right, uh, Kevin McCullough here. Every week we promise you that none other than Mike Connors himself uh, will be here to answer one of your questions. And this one this week comes from Jill on Staten Island. Michael, uh, she says, uh, Dear Mr. Connors, I am a power of attorney for a couple that was my neighbor. They would like to gift me with cash. Can they do it? And can I accept it? Uh, Mr. Connors, what's the governing guidance here? Yeah, well, the answer is yes. However, I would be very careful about how it's done and how it's documented. Now, of course, if the neighbors have children, they may say someday, hey, was, why was this gift made? So I would get a witness and a document. But, yes, they, could, they can make a gift to a neighbor or friend if you, the gift is less than $15,000 per person. So if you've got a husband and wife, the husband can give 15000 without filing a return. The wife can give $15,000 without filing a return. But I would document it depending on who's out there. And if there's nobody out there, I would certainly document it because you never know. A court may get involved someday and, and think that uh, Jill is stealing from her neighbors. Yeah, and uh, it is, it's the power of attorney arrangement that makes that uh, all the more odd, right? Right, right, because that, you know, there's, there's a presumption that a gift, you know, to a power of attorney may be, un, the person may be unduly influencing right. the, the person making the gift. But it still can be done, but it, it should be documented, there should be a witness, and be careful about it. Yes, but be careful. Yeah, that's good advice. And friends, I have found that when I refer people to, to uh, Connors and Sullivan, that that is all that they get is good advice. Uh, the McCullough family has been the beneficiary of their wisdom. I would encourage you to send your questions and to get your appointments uh, set up. 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. You can also send questions directly to us, askmikeconnors at gmail.com. Uh, and then be listening because Mike answers a lot more questions uh, Saturday mornings at 8 and Sunday morning beginning at 11 on his own broadcast, Ask the Lawyer. That's uh, Saturday mornings at 8 on AM 570, The Mission, and Sunday mornings at 11 on AM 970, The Answer. Mike Connors, as always, thank you so much. Thank you, Kevin. Now, you can hear Kevin McCullough Monday through Friday at both of the stations here that we broadcast from, 970, The Answer, and 570, The Mission. Now, Next up, we're going to have Karen McAllister and Laura Wallenstein from the Danny Thomas St. Jude Center, Research Center. And, you know, we talked a little bit about Danny Thomas in the first segment. We're going to talk more about Danny Thomas in, in the last segment. Beth, you wanted to touch upon some of the research that your father did? Yeah. there. When we were talking to the ladies from um, St. Jude, um, they... They brought up the fact that at the research center, what was so good was you had the researchers and you had the doctors and the, everybody working together. They could be there together with the patients. And years ago, um, in the 1960s and early 70s, my dad was an ear, nose, a nose and throat surgeon. And um, we we lived in Longview, Texas, and it was not far from the deaf. The there was a deaf school for children with, um, with who were hearing impaired, and many of them had nerve deafness, so they could hear nothing. And um, dad dad opened up his practice in Longview, Texas, partially because he wanted to be able to access those those children. Well, long story short. He wanted to help people that were nerve deaf. I mean, if some, if if your nerve, if it, if you can't hear anything, you 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 might feel maybe vibrations from a train coming, but you can't really hear anything. And um, 
his so what he was doing he was working with people in Japan who were creating a quartz crystal that um dad's idea was to to put the quartz inside the cochlea in your ear and that would amplify the vibrations from the quartz crystal and then there would be a wire that would go from the quartz crystal that would be um embedded in the mastoid bone which if 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 a vibration came um the the person who had nerve deafness could feel the vibration and at least they would know something's happening um but it was very frustrating for dad because he was trying to work with the people in Japan um for the quartz item and then they were doing research before the human research where dad was they were working with um dogs in Canada so it would have to go from Japan then to Canada and then down to dad and of course he was trying to explain to the people well this is what I think I really need and it was very difficult it was very difficult i mean they worked they worked something out and it was magnificent but um it would just have been so nice to have been in a situation where he could work with the technicians and you know it it was just i just remember how frustrating it was for dad again speaking about research now we're going to be talking to two people from St. Jude's which is one of the most popular charities that our clients leave in their wills and their trust and if anybody has any question how you do that, please give us a call at Connors and Sullivan. But up next again, Karen McAllister and Laura Wallenstein from the St. Jude's Research Center. We all know someone who's been touched by cancer. It's the second leading cause of death. And it took the life of my father, John Wayne. But even in his final days, he was thinking about helping others and publicly campaigning to raise awareness about cancer. His courage and grit inspired our family to do everything we could to fight the big C, as my dad called it. So we did something about it and founded the John Wayne Cancer Institute 35 years ago to advance life-saving research. Our discoveries are fundamentally changing the way cancer is treated around the world. Cures are within our reach, but we can't do it alone. I'm Patrick Wayne, and I'd be honored if you joined us in the fight against cancer. You can make a lasting legacy by helping to eradicate this deadly disease. Together, we can save lives. To learn more, visit jwcigiving.org. That's jwcigiving.org. I'm in a good place in my life. And I'm energized by new adventures. I've got friends to laugh with. And a good relationship. But even though I'm kind of comfortable, I sometimes wonder, is there something more? Could God in church be what you're looking for? Come and see at CatholicsComeHome.com. Time now for Connor's Corner, where Mike takes a closer look at topics like history, politics, religion, and more. Here's Mike. Welcome to the Connors Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. You know, we're getting to, you know, holiday season, Christmas season. We're getting to the end of the year. And, you know, some of us out here, maybe we made a little bit more money than we thought we made, and we're looking for some deductions. And the end of the year is not a bad time to make some charitable deductions. And one of the favorite charities that our listeners and our clients like to think about is St. Jude's Hospital in Tennessee, and we have two representatives, Karen McAllister, Lauren Wallenstein, and they've been on the show before, and again, welcome to Connor's Corner. Thank you. Thanks for having us back. Thank you for having us. Now, you know, our clients, for the most part, they're all going to know who Danny Thomas was, but, you know, there are a lot of people, I know a lot of people in my office, they have no idea who Danny Thomas was. Can one of you guys tell us who he was? Why don't you take that? Sure, sure. So I think a lot of people will remember Danny Thomas, hopefully, for um, being a legendary entertainer and comedian um, and a star of the the wonderful hit show Make Room for Dan- uh, Make Room for Daddy. Um, but you know, for the for those of us at St. Jude, 
we celebrate him as our founder. Um, you know, Danny Thomas, when he was very young and starting out um, in his comedy career, he was really, really having a tough time, you know, getting work and, and, and you know, getting, getting his start. And so, you know, as he was pursuing this career, he and his wife were expecting their first child. Um, and shortly after her birth, you know, he realized that he didn't even have enough money to pay to, to get his wife and, and newborn daughter, who is, of course, now known as Marlo Thomas, um, out of the hospital. And, you know, it was at that point that he really decided, you know, I, I this is my last chance. I really, I feel this is my calling in life. I, I want, you know, to pursue pursue entertainment, but I, I may just need to give it up. And so he, as a devout Catholic, um, you know, went to prayer, went to, into, found himself in a church, been praying to St. Thaddeus, who is the patron saint of um, hopeless causes. Um, and in his prayer, he just said, you know, if you will show me my way in life, I will, I will, I will build a shrine to you. I will, I will repay it some way, somehow. And the very next day, um, you know, and only the way the world can, can work, um, he received a call and an audition for what I think was a singing toothbrush commercial on the radio. And he received it and it paid exactly the amount that he needed to get his daughter um, and wife out of the hospital and pay for that bill. And so that was really kind of just the, the start of, of really the sign and the start of his career. And he just took off from there and he never forgot that promise. Um, and so many years later, he really consulted one of his close um, you know, friends and personal advisors who was a cardinal in the Catholic Church, Cardinal Stritch. And, you know, said, I have this, this vision. I see, you know, children that are, are dying at, you know, this very young age of, of, you know, diseases like leukemia, and there's not a lot being done. You know, I want to, I want to build a hospital, and I want to fund research so that we can help ensure that children never die in the dawn of life. And so through his relationship with the Cardinal Stritch, um, they determined Memphis. A lot of people wonder why we're in Memphis. Um, Memphis is, is the perfect spot. One, because it, you know, at the time was centrally located in terms of the interstate system that was being you know developed in, around the country. Um, it was right on the Mississippi River. So, from a, a standpoint of serving a nation, it seemed to be a you know a centralized location that was easily accessible by road and and by um, you know by by all means of transportation. Um, but it was also chosen because at the time we were. Of course, this is, you know, in the, the late 50s and early 60s, you know, the, the decision was made that, um, you know, by putting a hospital like this in Memphis, Tennessee, in the deeply segregated South, Danny felt very strongly and also, um, you know, ensuring that all children, regardless of race, religion, creed, um, ability to pay, that all children would receive treatment. Um, and so Memphis, is, St. Jude is actually, you know, really credited with helping desegregate Memphis in, in a variety of ways, but, you know, first and foremost for, for treatment um, of children. And so, you know, Danny, Danny went to, went, you know, traveled all throughout the country and went to the community and just asked people to step up and, and help him with this vision. Um, you know, the, the saying is that he apparently you know, really sketched the idea of the hospital on the back of a cocktail napkin while he was in a meeting with um, some advisors just talking about this decision. And so the initial, you know, the initial drawing of what the hospital might look like was on the back of a back of a cocktail napkin. I mean, this is how grassroots he really was in his dream and his vision. And so, you know, by fundraising across the country, which is what we continue to do today, and we're, we're so incredibly fortunate and thankful for all those that, you know, make gifts of, of every size, you know, Danny was able from starting really in, I would say, 19, probably 57, 1958, um, was able to achieve his vision. And we opened the doors of St. Jude Children's Research Hospital in 1962, um, so over 50 years ago. And, and ever since then, we've been able to see just dramatic um, progress in terms of, of um, the work being done and, and the, the survival rates across many childhood diseases, but particularly cancer. One of the things that we're very proud of is that when we opened the doors of St. Jude in 1962, the survival rate for um, across all childhood cancers was only 20%. And we've now flipped that to 80%. So rather than 80% of children dying, you know, the dawn of life because of childhood cancer, it's now um, 80% are surviving. And, you know, we aren't going to stop until we hit that 100% and really achieve Danny's dream that, that no child should, should die. 
Um, you know, we're also especially proud of, you know, the one of the diseases that he was most touched by when he had this vision was um, leukemia, acute lymphoblastic leukemia is the most common form of childhood cancer. And when we opened the hospital, it, the survival rate was only um, was only 4%, and now it's over 94%, which is just unbelievable. So, you know, again, 94%, absolutely incredible, but, you know, until we, we, we are able to, to make it a full 100%, that 6% still matters um, a lot, and so we continue to do the good work. Now, you touched upon it a little bit, but but how how much does somebody have to pay if they have their child in St. Jude's? Absolutely nothing. I'm glad you asked that, and, and yeah. that's, you know, part of Danny's vision is that, um, no child um, receives, no family receives a bill for treatment, housing, food, transportation. Um, you know, Karen and I are both here in the, the New York um, tri-state area, and we can tell you that we have uh, you know, several families that we, we know personally um, who are seeing two families, and when they, um, you know, are, have been treated at the hospital, they, you know, had to pick up and um, many of them move and, and actually live in Memphis during the, the duration of their treatment. and. They were provided housing. They were provided food. Um, everything was absolutely taken care of because we know that we just need families to focus on helping their child heal and helping their child, you know, fight this battle with their health um, and not have to worry about, you know, am I going to have to take a second and third mortgage to, to pay for to pay for anything? How are we going to keep our jobs? How are we going to do any of this? And so um, it's, it's absolutely incredible. Uh, well, let, let me ask you something like, how can somebody find out? Let's say they they have a child that needs treatment. How do the, how do they find out whether they can get treatment at St. Jude's? Um, that is something that they can first of all do research on our website. Um, we have a very comprehensive website www.stjude.org. They can find out, and we also have a referral number. Um, and unfortunately, I don't know it off the, the back of my hand. Um, Laura, do you happen to know our referral hotline number? I, I don't off the top of my head, but I can tell you that we can absolutely follow up if that's something that you would want to, you know, put up on a, a website or share um, in a future in a future story. Or I'll try to even pull it up at the end of the, the end of our conversation today. But I can tell you that if they just simply search. Um, even using something as simple as Google and search um, St. Jude patient referral, it will take them to a landing page and they can um, find the phone number there. And they can also, if they prefer to communicate by email, that's also an option. Okay. Well, yeah, and actually I have the number right here. I found it. It's 1-888-226-4343. And often what happens is um, Either someone will get referred to St. Jude from their pediatrician or pediatric oncologist, or um, the family will find out about us and reach out. But we, Laura and I both hear this story over and over where families will reach out and are shocked and amazed that they get a phone call directly from the researcher and physician within 24 hours. And there have been cases where... Um, this also is not uncommon where a family will connect with us and the physicians will say, basically, 24 hours, le hours later, we've booked you a flight, we're going to get you on a plane, we're going to get you here and um, have a consultation and see if we can help you. So we're very responsive that way. Let me ask you a little bit more about the history of St. Jude's. Okay, 1962 opening facility how big was the institution how many people were employed and where are you today oh goodness you know i don't know that i would know how many were employed but i can tell you that it yeah, was one I building i don't know how many people um, were employed but i know that the hospital originally was a somewhat they call the star shape it looked more like a a mini sunburst a partial sunburst um and the hospital side right now has somewhere between 3,500 and 4,000 employees. Um, we have 78 to, um, I think it's 78 licensed beds. But, and that may be a small number for a hospital, but that's because much of our treatment, because it is cancer treatment, it's on an outpatient basis. Um, so kids will come to the hospital in the morning 
They'll go through all the appointments that they need during the day, and then they'll go to one of our housing facilities. Because some of our treatments take up to three years, um, we have different housing facilities for different lengths of stay. So it's really nice because the kids get a break from being at the hospital um, when they're staying in one of the housing facilities, and they form very strong bonds with the other families that they're going through a similar journey with. Now, let me ask you, can you give us some uh, anecdotal stories? What kind of accomplishes, accomplishments have your researchers done over the last, well, whenever, since 1962? Sure. So, I mean, I think you heard me mention earlier, but the just the fact that our our um, research protocols have led to treatment plans that are used beyond CHU. I think that's what's also really, really remarkable about Danny's vision so early on was that Danny Thomas was really the first one to say, let's, you, you, you can often hear, I think, uh, these days the term bench to bedside. And that was really a model that was developed at St. Jude in terms of having the researchers and the clinicians in the same space so that the researchers were seeing firsthand the, the application of the, the treatment and protocol plans that they were developing um, and that the you know, clinicians and, and doctors and physicians could report back directly. And so, you know, you heard me mention earlier, though, that in terms of just acute lymphoblastic leukemia, because of that, we've been able to um, improve the survival rate from 4% to 94%, which I think is just absolutely incredible. I can also tell you that sickle cell disease um, is something that, you know, affects, um, I think it's like one in three, approximately one in, I think, 350 um, African-Americans and Latinos. And the, um, you know, there had not been any type of cure to this disease, which is very painful and often results in a, you know, in a short um, lifespan, um, until St. Jude actually discovered a cure through, um, uh, um, oh, and I'm blinking on the, the, the term, um, but through bone a, a bone marrow transplant. Thank you. Bone marrow <laughs> transplant. I was coming up with the wrong term. Um, and so while, you know, we're, we're looking for all other maybe less invasive cures, um, you know, that's, that's pretty remarkable. Um, and there's also something that, you know, about two years ago, um, a researcher of our, a colleague of ours, a researcher who unfortunately passed away before the final, um, final research was released, but had spent his career on something called bubble boy disease, where it's an autoimmune disease that's rare but affects children so severely that their lifespan is, you know, usually just a, a few years, if even, um, and actually developed a cure, which is, again, just absolutely remarkable for these families that, you know, when the child is diagnosed, you know, until then had no, really no hope for their child, for their child's future, because it's such a, such a devastating disease. So, you know, cures are actually happening at St. Jude. And, you know, along the way, every single day on the road to the cure, the treatment plans are becoming more and more developed so that, um, you know, until there's a cure, the longevity as one's um, life is, is increased, but also the quality. I think quality of life is always at the forefront of anything and everything that we do. All right. Now, again, we're toward the end of the year, which some people, you know, had a tough year. Maybe it's the beginning of the year. Maybe they're coming back a little bit, and they've made a little bit more money than they think, and they could use a charitable deduction. And, of course, you know, like in, in our part of the country, we're up here and, and we're broadcasting right now from Brooklyn, there are a lot of people who are real estate rich, but maybe cash poor. And if they do a will, if they do a trust to leave either a set amount or a percentage to St. Jude's, how would how would they learn? I mean, you can always give us a call at this office, but how would they learn more about how you use the money from St. Jude's and, and where to make charitable donations? Sure. Well, um Honestly, our website is the best place to learn a lot or contact somebody like me um, that could get you in touch with a local representative that could talk to you a lot more about um, the different aspects of the organization that can be supported. Of course, we're always, um, we're always looking for unrestricted monies because then we can apply it towards whatever happens to be the most necessary at the moment. But um, we definitely have, um, I mean, we're a research powerhouse. We do fantastic patient care. 
And um, if anybody is, uh, you know, interested in leaving it that way, we are always incredibly grateful. Um, we we have a very robust um, sort of planned giving or bequest program, and anyone who notifies us that they are part of their uh, that we are part of their estate plans becomes a member of what we call our Danny Thomas St. Jude Society, where they're invited to local events and events in Memphis. They get in touch with their local. Um, representative that can fill them in on all the new things happening all the time at the hospital. But if anybody wants to make a direct contribution through an outright gift or a gift of stock, the best place um, is to contact us. And our address is 501 St. Jude Place in Memphis, Tennessee, 38105. Or they can contact me if they're in the tri-state area, and I can um, refer them to the appropriate person. And my number is 860-235-8226. And again, my name is Karen McAllister. Karen, can you repeat that number again, please? Sure. It's um, 860-235-8226. Okay. Do you ha- do you guys have anything else to add to our audience uh, about St. Jude's or? Just the only thing that I would add is we are incredibly grateful for our supporters. They are honestly the lifeblood of our organization, and what we love to tell our supporters is St. Jude is their hospital. They truly keep the doors open. They directly impact a child's life. Um, and any opportunity that they have to either get involved in any of our events or attend one of our Danny Thomas St. Jude Society events, they'll hear from local patient families. So they'll get to hear directly how their support has impacted people. Um, and very exciting, we're in, in the middle of an expansion project because one of the things that's occurred is we are treating more children. So um, we're looking to build another housing facility, and um, we're almost complete with a brand-new advanced research center, and then we'll be starting uh, groundbreaking on a whole new uh, building for our clinics because um, at St. Jude, we don't just treat the child for just their illness. We're, We're very holistic in our treatment. So, for example, a child with cancer going through chemotherapy. Chemotherapy affects all kinds of things besides their cancer. It affects their teeth. It affects their lungs, their heart. So we have a whole set of ancillary medical services. They get to see dentists, ear, nose, and throat doctors, um, you know, a heart specialist. All Anything that they might need is right there, and it's on our campus, so they don't have to make other appointments anywhere else. So we try to make it as easy on the families as possible. Okay, and wrap-up, can one of you give us the website again? Sure, that's www.stjude.org. Okay, you know, in conclusion, let's thank Danny Thomas for what he's done and I think the best way to thank him is to make a contribution to St. Jude's. Absolutely. Amen. Thank you. All right. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you so much. You're doing the Lord's work. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. I have children. How can I protect them if something happens? Will my to assets be lost if I go into a nursing home? We have property. How will it affect the ones still here? Who will help us take care of Grandma? These questions can be answered by calling 718-238-6500 for a free consultation from Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, providing dedicated, caring, and highly responsive legal services. They're focused on issues that matter to you, protection of your family, preservation of your assets, and respect of your wishes with dignity. That's all I want from a lawyer, making it easier for my children. Call 718-238-6500. Get a free consultation. Connors & Sullivan's clients don't get lost in the cracks. They have dedicated attorneys who know their clients and the issues that matter most to them. Connors & Sullivan's estate planning, elder law, and probate attorneys work closely with every client. Don't leave behind problems for your family. Call 718-238-6500 and get a free consultation today. Connors & Sullivan. Plan now for later. Do you have somewhere to sleep? Did you eat today? Are you making ends meet? 
For thousands of New Yorkers, the answer is no. For children and youth, adults, seniors, people struggling with addiction or mental illness, and for the isolated, Catholic Charities of Brooklyn and Queens is there. With 160 programs and more than 4,500 units of affordable housing, Catholic Charities is one of the largest multi-service charitable organizations in the nation. We help change lives and build communities. If you or someone you know needs assistance, call 718-722-6001 or visit ccbq.org. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors, now accompanied by my wife, Beth. Hello, everybody. And my son, Michael. Hello, everyone. Okay, you know, it's, it's always interesting to me to hear about the, the history of, of Danny Thomas. I always used to enjoy the Danny Thomas show. Yeah, I was young, but, you know, it was always an entertaining show. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize that Danny Thomas, of course, that was not his real name. He chose that name from his the first names of two of his brothers, Danny and, and Thomas. And Danny Thomas was of Lebanese descent. His parents were born in Lebanon. Of course, back then it was called Syria. And he used to do some folk songs or whatever from, you know, Lebanon and, and Arabic or whatever. So um, I, I find that interesting because I don't think a lot of people really realize that uh, Danny Thomas' family was from Lebanon, which, you know, we talked about St. Jude's is one of our favorite charitable giving destinations for our clients, as is the Franciscans on 31st Street. But I think a third is probably Father Paul and his mission in Lebanon. And we just heard from him fairly recently. And Michael, when is uh, when is Father Paul due back? It looks like Father Paul will be back with us on January 9th. Hooray, January 9th. Hooray. So hopefully we'll have him on the show, depending on his quarantine. We'll have him on the show either the 16th or the 23rd in January. You know, oh, that'd and, be and, wonderful. You know, he's had a hard time over there in, in, in the last six months in Lebanon. His mission was blown up in that terrible explosion that they had in Beirut, Lebanon. We got an email from him that nobody was hurt. Nobody seriously hurt, I'm sorry, but four nurses were hurt. and right. But the building was completely destroyed. So he's had a, a hard time over the last, you know, few months. And usually he's back with us in the fall. But uh, he had to stay in, in Lebanon now until the after the first of the year. And I'm again, I'm not sure what kind of quarantine he has to go through. But, you know, after we'll he's through, it, we'll try to get him, you know, on the show, at, you know, as soon as possible. And if you want to hear or learn more about Father Paul's mission, we'll try to have him on in a couple of weeks. In the meanwhile, if you have estate planning questions... Michael, where do they send the question to? What's the email address? If you want to reach us for an estate planning question or just questions about Connors and Sullivan in general or our radio show, you can reach us at askmikeconnors at gmail.com. That's askmikeconnors, spelled C-O-N-N-O-R-S, at gmail.com. Now, a lot of people have been asking me, when are you going to do your next seminar? And, of course, right now, because of COVID, I'm not sure when we're going to do our next seminar. And it's probably not until it's probably not going to be till after the spring. Maybe late, late spring or early summer, we'll see how the vaccine works. Let's all say a prayer for that. But um, where can they access the, you know, our YouTube seminar? Well, yeah, because we, you know, knowing everything that's been going on this year, we decided for, you know, prospective clients, for our listeners, and just for the general edification of anyone who wants to learn more about estate planning, to put up one of our seminars um, full length on YouTube. And so if you go to YouTube.com and just search Connors and Sullivan Video Seminar, you'll be able to hear Dad talk about all sorts of issues with estate planning and so forth right there on the Internet for you. And that can be, you know, test the waters to see if you want to come in for your first free consultation and start doing work from there. Okay, well, you know, we're, we're getting close to the end of the show. And you may say, hey, wait a minute, we still got a few minutes left. But, you know, it is we, we've just had the Christmas holiday. Merry Christmas to everybody. Merry uh, Christmas. Merry Christmas. It's going to be a new year before we're back on the air again. Um, so happy new year. Merry Christmas. Happy new year. Listen, 2021 can't be a worse year than 2020. So uh, uh, listen, well, I tell never my say girlfriend, never, I'm going to charge not. into ni- to 2021. I'm charging. I'm running out of 2020. Good grief. <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to miss this year. No, no hideous year so we decided we talked it over and we decided not a bad way to end up the show today is to have danny thomas sing a christmas song um in in memory of danny thomas and part of the thing that um 
we talked about St. Jude's is to to remember Danny Thomas. You know, he's a great man, great entertainer, did a lot of charitable work, was involved in a lot of different religious organizations. Uh, you know, he's a man who deserves to be remembered, and let's remember him now on, on this Christmas season, and we're going to play one of his recordings where he was singing a, a Christmas song. Yeah, you know, because it's, it's one thing to be a great entertainer, but on top of that, to be genuinely committed to the betterment of mankind, that's that's the kind of person what, you want to emulate. What a wonderful legacy. You know, the the children's home, St. Jude Children's Home, what a legacy. So as we leave you today, we'll leave you with The First Christmas by Danny Thomas. Would it be Christmas without the mistletoe? Would it be Christmas without the winter snow? No fireplace, no Christmas tree, no decorations, just you. snow, no fireplace, no Christmas tree, no decorations, just the wise men three, and it was Christmas then, the holiday season has changed, but the reason we It can be Christmas without the winter snow With no fireplace, no Christmas tree, no decorations, just you and me 